Welcome to The Coda, a music podcast in the perfect endnote to your week. I am Brian Hasty, and with me is the Waldorf to my Sattler, the hat man to my scat man, Rob Christofferson. Rob, how are you? I'm, it's Tuesday, Brian, and I think I'm okay. It's still too early in the week to really gauge something like that, but we're here, we're recording, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this episode. It's going to be a really interesting one because we get to not only talk about music, but something that we're both, uh, me right now, is sort of like mid-passionate about, whereas you, I think, are a little more actively passionate about. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the subject that we're talking about today, of course, is uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons on a music podcast. This is what has happened. So I think it would be an understatement to say that music has the power to change lives from being able to soothe frayed nerves to leading to feelings of euphoria. The right song in the right setting can be a great bomb. Music is also great in social situations. I'm not necessarily talking about music being used as background noise at parties, but more so using music to evoke specific emotions akin to a movie score hitting you right in the gut when it counts the most to accentuate a seed. Rob, both you and I have played some Dungeons and Dragons in our time. I do believe you're currently part of a campaign and I used to both play and DM. So music when I was DMing was an integral part of the campaign I ran. It helps set the stage, dictate a mood, and generally I used it um, as a shared cultural market to get players in the right headspace. So let us talk a bit about um, our uh, uh, separate histories with D&D. So what were you, did you play when you were younger? What were your experiences like? When did you start? When did you stop? Um, you know, just kind of lay the, the, the groundwork here. So my nerddom in school, uh, specifically middle school, was Magic the Gathering. So it, it started there. And then it moved on to something that didn't really uh, pick up that well. And that was uh, Star Wars, the customizable card game, which uh, was basically like Magic, but with Star Wars, because it was in the middle of the relaunch, uh, re release of the uh, original movies, right before they were getting ready to do the prequels. And they had released this game uh and it the only game i ever played i won i uh man my star destroyer was fucking destroying everything it was fantastic (laughs) and i have fond memories of uh opening up uh, because what they would do is they would um the sets would be there was the initial star wars set which revolved around Star Wars A New Hope, and then everything after that was centered around the world. So there was the Hoth cards, there was the Dagobah cards, there was the Cloud City pack, there was eventually the Tatooine pack for uh, Return of the Jedi, and I remember fondly getting two packages of the uh, Dagobah cards, one from one person and another that I bought myself, and I got two Yodas in one day, and I was fucking badass. The problem, <laughs> the problem with Yoda is that he's useless unless, unless you're on Dagobah. You can't take him anywhere else, which is really dumb. And so non-portable Yoda. Non-portable Yoda. So for a long time, I let my nerdum. I shelved it. I shelved my nerdum. And eventually, after my dad died, 
uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, we should play some D&D. And I'm like, I've never played before. What the fuck are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I used to play all the time. I used to play AD&D. I'm like, okay, so, uh, whatever that means. And he's like, yeah, go, go get some books and we'll do this. So uh, I had some money at the time, so I bought everybody that was playing in our campaign books. And like, not only were they the... Uh, the books but they were like leather bound which was really nice. oh wow okay yeah and uh we we all fucking played in this great campaign i had two characters one was a um it was like a high elf vampire hunter that uh, at one point he fell into like some kind of acidic river because I was too enamored with the image of myself that was being presented in it. So you, you've got that. There was a, I played a kobold rogue at one point, which was, it, it was fun. And uh, there was one point where I was devising a um, sneak attack and we had a half orc in our party. His name was Orlock and he like, he had a high regal voice, which was great, but it was also like, Russian sounding so it was kind of funny and I set up this like ev like everybody basically takes a shot with a bow and arrow and uh yeah the half orc he was a paladin ended up shooting me in the back instead of the enemy so you know I I've had some great moments um they like I've been made fun of I've got friends that i played with on that campaign that every now and then will say kick the kobold because that's what they said they were going to do to me all the time and from there you know i dm'd a couple campaigns and i've had a love for it ever since i uh i've read the um the drist novels that Arde salvatore has done and uh, a few others and you know Faerun is a a world i love so that's kind of where I'm at with D&D, and now I've started playing again two editions later and uh, having so much fun doing it. I am playing a turtle fighter, which basically means that I am a ninja turtle right now, essentially. <laughs> That's great. So you're, you're, on f you're on fifth edition? Yes, we are on fifth okay, edition. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Rob, it's funny. We've never talked about this beforehand, like online or anything, but uh, very similar upbringings because I also in uh, middle school and high school uh, played some magic, mostly against like two people. I uh, played red black deck. Uh, and then like I, I sort of put that away for a while. And then I, I came back to, to fantasy role playing. Um, yeah, probably when I was like, I want to say like 24, 25 ish, let's say. Right. So um, I had a group of people from work who wanted to play. So a friend of ours started DMing and then he uh, moved out of the city. So then someone else ended up DMing and I played a very vain paladin who would have sex with everything. So mm. uh, the DM would make me roll to see if I banged anything and if I got hurt. Mm. And uh, and then I transitioned into playing uh, a slightly less uh, self-interested uh, paladin and then yeah i uh, also dm'd a bunch of campaigns mostly um smaller ones because it was kind of difficult to get a larger group going um on a regular basis so we we'd touch base every other month or so right so i tried to tailor those campaigns to make them um a little bit shorter uh, but uh yeah so given that uh we've gone ahead and created a sort of like playlist of songs each on our end of uh songs in a playlist uh in a mixtape ish format that lasts about i don't know mine lasts about 45 minutes and uh, so on my end, I based my playlist on the classic starter campaign of meeting up, getting a tip from a, you know someone in the village about spoils and danger in a nearby place, usually some kind of dungeon, and then entering the dungeon and then defeating uh, a monster for some kind of treasure. 
I, I dig that. I have mostly centered mine around like random kind of encounters that you, that you could have, and uh, just like uh, kind of clever ideas for if you're, um, you know, in, in a certain situation, music that you could use. Okay. So, yes. So why don't we trade off? So you want to start with one and then I'll go with one? Sure. So if you find yourself in a um, tavern or something like that, one of the coolest things that I've always loved that, uh, you know, reading, I've read some fantasy novels a fair amount, and reading in uh, Stephen King's The Gunslinger, it's great how in that novel there is a tavern, and in that tavern, in this alternate world where it's old western, there is someone playing the piano, and they're I think it's a player piano, and it's playing uh, Hey Jude, I think. And uh, so one of the things I like to do is, if I'm in a tavern somewhere and, and I'm DMing, I like to bust out some old, some like really alternative country music. So um, <laughs> one thing that I'll, I, I like to uh, bust out is some Tyler Childers. And, okay. And, uh, you know, Country Squire is a great track to put on when you're in a bar and you're looking to maybe spice things up a little bit because that's a song you could probably you know i could see a montage in my head of people just beating the shit out of each other yeah for sure yeah that's a really good one actually um so i've done mine chronologically right so uh the first song on my list is the end credits from jurassic park by john williams Mm. it's a starter campaign because even though the track is called end credits uh, i feel like it swells up in like very appropriate ways and then at the end uh, there's like a very ominous tone uh, that sort of like trails off um, and fades out. And I feel like it's a really good way to sort of uh, set the scene. I want my players to know uh, that uh, there's going to be fun ahead, but it's not going to be necessarily easy. And I have a pretty trolly personality when it comes to DMing. Well, no, I'm like pretty trolly just in general, I guess. Right. So I want to let them know that like, wow, this may be a grand adventure. It's not necessarily going to be uh, an easy one. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to seem like a soft DM at any point. You want your players on edge at all times so they know not to mess with the motherfucking greatest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, I also feel like um, uh, this is the only sort of like orchestral song that I, I picked on the list because I felt like uh, orchestral music is kind of like an easy cop-out to a lot of this, like throwing on a score to like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or something like that where it's just instrumental. I feel... Um, uh, suits a mood well while you're playing, but I often would use these songs um, as cues for things, mm-hmm. which is which is fair, which is a good idea, uh, especially for very immersive campaigns and DMs that want to run them. It's a it's a fantastic idea. So, Rob, what's your second song? Uh, so the second song, uh, we're still in the tavern, and all hell finally breaks loose, and the perfect song to encapsulate, you know, just a fun goddamn romp is uh the decemberist calamity song just uh <laughs> just a great like you know like it's got it's up tempo and it definitely feels like you know uh, a little more comedic take people are bashing each other over the head with wooden chairs and shit and uh you know just having a good time just uh kind of like the uh, cartoony way that saloon fights would be depicted in in some places like very campy very over the top right that it's a perfect song if you if you want to you know do that because there's no way if you're in a tavern there's no way you're not having fun with it 
No, for sure. I'm I'm sad that you didn't go two on the nose and didn't pick the Nickelback cover of Saturday Night's Ride for Fighting. I, you know, I was considering that uh, because <laughs> you can't. I'm sorry, you can't go Elton John on that. You need something a little more. Um, hmm, how do I put this? Uh, kitschy. Yeah, exactly. Let's go with that. Yes, yes. I, I don't want to demean Nickelback here. Uh, I will not do that. Uh, it's too easy a target, to be honest. So so you've never seen Nickelback live? I have never seen Nickelback. I've had okay. friends that have seen Nickelback live, but I have never. I've seen them once. Uh, they put on a pretty decent show for the price. I'm sure they do. I, I'm sure it's uh, wonderful, and uh, I'm sure, like... Ryan Peak is not moving his arms all that much, which, uh, you know, <laughs> just seems to be a thing. I do. Uh, what was that uh, DVD that they came out with in like 2001, like after Silver Side Up came out? F- uh, oh, the one from like Saskatchewan or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hold on. I'm going to look this up because, yeah, because my friend had that and he's like, like uh, away from home. No, that's yeah, not what it is. It's something like that. I know it's a, like from home or something like that, but. Uh, okay. So it's live at home. Yeah. Live at home. Yeah. Um, if you watch that, Ryan. Peak's hands on the neck of that guitar do not fucking move. All right, so uh, it's available on eBay for four seventy five. Gently used. Gently used. Are you sure? Yes. Well, according to this, right, this is a very. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. Mm, there's some bending in this uh, 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 DVD uh, box. I'm not. I'm not spending four fifty on this. That's fair. I wouldn't either. Maybe if uh, they gave it away for free. Well, I mean, like, the internet probably does have it for free, let's be honest here. Yeah, that's totally fair, but I mean, like, that's going to take some effort to find it. Well, okay, so if anyone out there has pirated uh, uh, Nickelback live content, uh, uh, tweet us, the yeah. Go to Podcast. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. Um, so my second song is sort of in the similar vein in, um, uh, in terms of, like, uh, space. So I was thinking about, like, a tattern or, like, if my, uh, you know, party's walking around in a city or whatever. I uh, chose some classic prog rock. I chose a longer song. I was actually going to go with um, uh, Pink Floyd's Echoes, which is like 23 minutes. Mm. But instead, I chose something a little more concise. I chose Yes's South Side of the Sky off of Fragile. It's seven and a half minutes. It's a, a good lighter song, sort of like good to throw in the background, uh, uh, almost like magical-esque. Kind of, you know, uh, kind of gives you the idea that perhaps a troubadour would be playing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, uh, uh, when I DM and when I've played um, uh, a lot of games, they've used a lot of prog rock, I've found, to sort of, like, use as background, uh, sort of like a noise, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, like, the go-to for a lot of people is uh, either prog rock or uh, metal of some kind, like Seerthungal or, oh, yeah. you know, um, Electric Wizard or something like that, yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, it really sets the mood and, uh, you know, it doesn't dissuade people from the idea of uh, D&Ders, by and large, wearing uh, black shirts all around. Oh, yeah, man. Black shirts, uh, Mountain Dew. I have myself (laughs) an inaugural Mountain Dew. You're casting magic missile at the darkness. That's how it works. Um, So question for you. Uh, Regular Mountain Dew, uh, uh, Baja Blast, Code Red, do you have a favorite? I'm a regular Mountain Dew guy. You know, if I'm if I'm feeling fancy and I'm heading to Taco Bell, I'll get that Baja Blast. Yeah. 
I uh, I was at a Taco Bell last fall that had Baja Blast, and I gave it a shot. It's actually uh, quite good for soft drink, and I was very confused as to why my body was accepting it. Your body was confused. It was like it was going through puberty all over again. <laughs> just in the space of like five minutes from ordering to sitting down and getting my food. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, you know, your body is in conflict, and sometimes you got to see how that conflict plays out. That's okay. That's it's just, true. That's just the changes your body is going to make. You just have to accept those. I like how food has brought out the idea of puberty here. It's uh, bound to. I'm, I'm sure some scientific study can be done from this conversation. <laughs> and I hope that uh, they do. And I hope we get cited in their paper. And I hope it brings the listenership with it that comes with a, uh, a research study of any kind. So do you actually have like gamer snacks like when you sit down because you're doing this virtually right if I understand like the current yep. game that you're playing right right so do you sit down and like have like a favorite gamer snack uh, what I used to have uh, because when I started playing uh, d and d it was when our local Aldi food store opened up so it's like been over a decade now and one of the things that I just used to fucking eat are were caramel rice cakes. And oh they, yeah okay yeah and they're fucking delicious you you're like you know losing track but uh that uh i have also you using your hands too much so when people are like oh doritos no doritos no, are no. not a good gamer food they they exactly they get in the way you got fucking cheese dust on your goddamn fucking sheet now and you don't know whether that's a plus two modifier or a plus zero modifier because of it now, and you gotta fucking try and get it out. No, you you don't do that. Popcorn is perfect, and not yeah. the um, not the that uh, white cheddar stuff. You need the regular stuff. It's gonna be light on your hands, especially if you get the pre-buttered <laughs> stuff. I've thought this out, and you know if you can, if you're careful enough, you can get yourself some chips and dip. You gotta be careful. But you gotta be careful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but uh, if you are. So keen enough that you can play that hand really well, it enhances any gaming session that you're going to have. We got fancy with the group that I was playing with for a while. We were doing um, Brie and crackers and then grapes because I feel like you got your sweet and your your salty, but you're also like like you're saying like it's not a Dorito, it's not something that gets on your hands at all. Right. It's not like a Cheeto. It's something that keeps your hands clean because you gotta erase and redo a lot on your sheet. Yeah. Well, the nice thing now is that we have this program called Roll Twenty where you yes. can do everything online now. So that that's convenient. I still like to roll my dice manually because. I'm a civilized person, and I don't trust computers. So uh, I, it's nice to reduce that a little bit, uh, and also something... It's nice to have a computer program that can keep track of my own goddamn modifiers better than I can. Yeah, I've, th- that is one of the greater tools uh, of recent years, I think, uh, trying to keep track of like if you decide to use a certain spell or an attack or something. Um, or if you are have a certain kind of armor, um, and then being able to sort of see what's going on without being like, did I count this or not? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's man, I have played many a game, and I'm like, where did this modifier come from? Oh yeah, it came from my plus one fucking dildo sheath or whatever, you know. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like trying to figure, track that down and then like not looking the gift horse in the mouth if it is to your advantage a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Rob, what is your third song? You can kind of like take this song and, and go to the album itself and kind of use it for like, you know, wilderness adventuring and stuff like that. And it's um, 
Harold Budd's and Brian Eno's The Pearl. Holy God, that is an amazing instrumental set of songs that are they're kind of ethereal, but they're like very earthy, so perfect for adventuring in like areas that are vastly different and stuff like that. A Stream with Big Fish, uh, or sorry, A Stream with Bright Fish is, is one of the uh, top cuts from that, and uh, it's one that uh, I put on a lot of playlists. It's a, um, try to remember where, oh, uh, sometimes when I want to look for new music or something like that, I will go to uh, Amoeba's YouTube channel and watch uh, What's in My Bag video, and the greatest segment of that show is with Jason Manzukis, who goes on for like 20 minutes about all this music. He's like really well versed in what he's talking about. And one of the albums that he got was The Pearl. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. And I was listening to it and I was like, holy shit, I'm inside <laughs> right now, but I feel like I'm in some fucking woodland goddamn setting that I, I it's all around me. And, right. um, just a fantastic soundtrack. I mean, there isn't a lot that Brian Eno makes that isn't good, so you can't really go wrong with that. I like that pick. So generally, it's just something that you throw in the background while uh, your party's like adventuring in the woods or something? Yep. Perfect. Uh, I lied to our audience, and I apologize. I realized my next song is an instrumental uh, track from uh, Movie Score, and I, I said there'd only be one, but there's two. <sighs> I chose uh, the Italian prog rock band uh, Goblins, Alba di Multi Viventi. So basically, it is the theme song to George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, the mm-hmm. uh, the non-stock music version yep. for when uh, my party would enter a dungeon. Uh, it has like this like weird uh, ominous kick drum beginning, and then like it's it's uh, synthesizers everywhere, and it's very like foreboding. And I figured, what a great way to let my party know that they're going to probably encounter some danger very soon. Uh, that by putting some sinister music on, I waffled in between that and uh, some John Carpenter, so I kind of went back and forth. But uh, this track, for sheer intensity alone, I feel like really sets the mood when they enter like a deep, dark dungeon. Uh, you know, there's like water dripping from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, you can't see far ahead of yourself. Like maybe you forgot to pack enough torches. Uh, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, uh, yeah, that's perfect for that. It keeps you on edge. It's eerie. It's. Uh man it's it's unsettling a little bit and you need that when you're going into a dungeon because you don't know what you're going to encounter and let me tell you something folks right now i'm playing a character that has ptsd and it has and and it has its ptsd is triggered by undead and right now we are in the throes of barovia so we're in uh strahd's lair strahd is um one of the most badass vampires in ever. Uh, I think the the best way that I've heard it, and I put it this way myself, so you know I'm I'm putting myself over on this, but uh, uh, Strahd makes the Twilight vampires look like Muppet babies. So um, <laughs> he's uh, he's incredibly badass, and uh, knowing that we would be encountering a lot of undead. I uh, gave myself this uh, character flaw, and uh, you know I'm working with it. And holy shit, it's uh, it's tough because you walk into a room and you see something there. It's like, oh, it's undead. God damn it! Wisdom saving throw. Here we go, son of a bitch. And uh, the last time I had to throw a, a wisdom saving throw, I uh, I failed it. And um, the thing is, is like there's a madness table. 
So oh, okay. the DM decides what I do. And uh, during this adventure, I have picked up a dog, which is great. You know, it's great when you can pick up a random dog and make it your, like, companion. Uh, I also, uh, in this campaign, I have uh, found a blue bandana, so I guess I'm Leonardo. And... Um, <laughs> They have all requested that I name my dog Splinter, but I'm going to go full heel, and I'm naming that dog Baxter Stockman. It's just the oh. only way to do it, you know? I was hoping for either Bebop or Rocksteady. You know, I was thinking about it, but I'm like, no, Baxter Stockman, yeah, just yeah. because he, he deserves two names, and like, I, I think it's also a nod to Jeff Goldblum, in a way. Right, he, right. I do love the idea that you, uh, uh, two names, like a full name is like a sign of respect for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, is like my character only has one, whereas everybody else in my party has two because my character's background is that he doesn't know what happened to him. He basically has this long ass scar on his face and uh, he's basically found himself going from town to town righting wrongs and he doesn't know why he's there. So... He only has one name. His name is Holden. And okay, the biggest piece of advice that I can give anyone when you want to name your character and you don't want to go with what they have in the book, the perfect resource for this, get yourself a copy of John Hodgman's The Areas of My Expertise. Go to the hobo names. There is a name <laughs> in there for you. I do like how that is very practical advice here. Yeah, it is. I am full of practical advice. I picked that up from a friend like a decade ago. He's like, yeah, I just went to John Hodgman's uh, areas of my expertise and I picked a name. And like, I I have a relatively, I cut the end of it off. Um, I forget uh, what the heck. uh, It it was like holding the something something. But uh, yeah, I cut the end of that off. And um, but if you need a really good name. The areas of my expertise, John Hodgman. It won't let you down. So, Rob, in the future, is there a possibility of you earning enough respect to get a second name? Is that kind of like a character arc that you hope to to sort of explore in the future? I, I think the character arc is probably going to be figuring out what that name is. Um, okay. You know, there's a lot my character doesn't know about his past, other than the fact that he served in a local militia. And I've kind of left it vague so that the DM can do what the DM is going to do. And, uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, we're still, we're still technically on our first encounter. Like we're almost done with it, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a long one. We've been going through a haunted house and, uh, you know, just making wisdom saving throws left and right. It's really interesting that you talk about uh, that sort of like push and pull between a player and a DM because I feel like it's a really delicate balance, right? And that sort of speaks to the notion of like assembling a good group of people to play with that aren't too trolly. Like there's that, uh, you know, archetypal story of um, a D&D player sitting down at the tavern at the beginning of an adventure and then trying to play a, a D&D game within the D&D game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which just is like a level of inception that my brain can't handle. And I think I would get very frustrated as a player. But, you know, it's, it's always important to sort of like assemble a, a crew that like works well or doesn't work well but at least can like move a story forward too yeah you absolutely need that it is essential uh i think the greatest part about the campaign that we're playing now uh at least in this beginning stage in the house that we're in it belongs to a family whose last name is durst (laughs) so either uh, fred or robert i have uh asked if any of the uh, family members because like uh they have paintings and stuff on the wall I've asked if they resemble Fred Durst, and apparently that is an emphatic no at this point. 
Uh, so it might be Robert, like that. If it's Robert Durst, you might have to watch out. I, if it's Robert Durst, holy shit, the jig is up, and um, yeah, there's an HBO documentary coming. Uh, what is the next song on your list, Rob? So uh, my song is uh, kind of in your wheelhouse that you that you just talked about, and like the encounter. The encounter is important, and if you want to set the stage right, there's one song that when you um, you walk up on an encounter is perfect, and that is the um, the Sound of Madness by Shine Down. You really can't go wrong with uh, you know that riff. It's uh, it's you know fucking it's got that uh, got that bass drum and everything, man. It's it, it gets you ready for the fact that you're about to encounter some serious shit. Also works if you're encountering a group of mind flares, which you never want to do because yeah. you will go mad. <laughs> well, especially with your your character situation, right? Oh yeah, I don't I don't want that. I don't want you that know, at all. I never thought of that song in that way, but now that you mention it, it actually fits so well. Mhm. It does. Like you're in a random dungeon, you turn a corner and see, it's perfect. It works, yeah. Yeah. Um, similarly, in terms of uh, not just uh, uh, an encounter, but an encounter like a, like sort of like an enemy rush. If there are multiple like like smaller, uh, you know, low HP characters, I chose um, the song "Stress" by Justice because mm-hmm. like it's a grooving song. It's it's pulsating. It gets you going. And like if you have to defeat like ten of these little things as a group, how does that work? And if they team up and things like that, I kind of want to make it uh, you know a fast paced encounter uh, versus you know something like you're saying like a mind flare, which is more of a protracted battle um, in some cases. Yeah, it. Um, if you're going up against just one mind flare, that's gonna take you uh, probably your entire session, if not yeah. more. Because yeah. I mean, you're talking about a being a creature that is so psychically powerful that it can enslave you. So, uh, yeah, it's um, man, and they fucking bring it every single time. They don't even need to really move; they could just fucking do shit with their minds and uh i'm not i'm not down with that not down with that at all encountered no. one mind flare it was a bitch well i mean especially if you're low level uh, party right like good mm-hmm. luck with that just starting out you know you got your basic weapons you know one to two um spells if you're a spellcaster you know limited damage i mean the only upside to that is decent xp when defeated but even then problematic yeah you better have yourself a good offensive spell and let me tell you when we played 3.5 the offensive spells at first edition were shit awful awful Awful. yeah which is why we chose to play five because i felt like um there were a couple of people in my in my group who had never played before and and five is known as like the user-friendly yeah um, sort of version of DD, which was even better because yeah you're not left uh, stranded and uh, spending like four hours trying to defeat like uh not even like the the big daddy of the campaign not to mention in 3.5 the uh, turn undead system is god awful i completely forgot about that it's like oh hey Roll to see how many hit dice worth of shit you can fucking turn. Yay. Oh, what's that? <laughs> Not enough. Oh, man. God damn it. Uh, thanks for the uh, the stress, Rob. Like, I just, I, yeah. Uh, the one campaign I played on 3.5, I was, I was very annoyed by. So thanks for that. Hey, no problem, man. I got the that uh, that similar trauma with, because uh, I've usually played a cleric when okay. I've played because nobody ever wanted to play a cleric. And I'm like, okay, I'm... I'm a fucking, like, holy priest, priest warrior, fucking, I'll do this shit. And, you know, I, I laid down some decent healing every now and then. The offensive spells, not good enough. But I do enjoy a 5th edition 
uh, first level spells because like a bard has fucking thunder wave, man. And yeah. You can you could do like fucking like three d eight damage. Hot damn. And then a beefed up a beefed up magic missile for whoever has that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because that magic missile gets better the higher level you get. Yeah. Um. So uh. You know. Uh. You defeat all of your different enemies. Uh, and then sort of, uh, what do you have next for us, Rob? It depends on, on what way it can go, because you could end up dead. You could, in a sense, and um, th- this is a, the, you know, a perfect song for that, Get Got by Death Grips. Holy shit. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta roll a saving, you gotta roll save, you know, death saving rolls, and holy fucking shit you you, that's like the perfect song because it's kind of it's got that kind of frantic beat to it so i was like oh god oh god i gotta save my life here i gotta save my life uh don't don't fail these uh fucking saving throws and then on the other side of that if you really want to celebrate my go-to song after an encounter is uh born for this by paramore it's a it's oh that's perfect yeah it's a great like you know come together kind of fucking song so similarly to you, uh, so I'm on the DMing side of things. When a character dies, Rob, I'm definitely playing Smash Mouth All Star. Yeah, I mean it's perfect. It's inspiring in in many ways. We can all admit that we are inspired by All Star. I mean, it's just God. There's there's a lot to love about that song in the second life that it's been getting. I feel like it's the the musical equivalent of a like the sad slide whistle, right? So yep. I always I always have that ready if a character's ready to die, and I, like usually I'll have my laptop plugged into like speakers, and I'm just waiting for someone to die to be able to slur- to hit all star. You know that's it's perfect. You uh, you bust that out, and at least while they're attempting their saving throws, um, they can laugh a little. Yeah, that's the thing is like you you bring sort of uh, some levity to such a a sad uh, situation. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, uh, death saving throws are... You need to kind of make light of them at, at the time because, man, it sucks to be not able to do anything on your turn uh, unless you roll that uh, d20. I have uh, come to you the uh, call of the um, rolling a 19, a natty light, so... Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, you know, man, if you got a hot hand, you, you could fucking do anything. Keep going. Yeah, you got to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Similarly, if a character does die, right? So I was playing, I play All-Star when they're doing their saving throws. If a character does die, I use Baroness's Eula um, as sort of like a eulogy um, to, to them. Uh, it is a very sad song. There's a lot of reverb. It's, you know, a slow tempo. I kind of, you know, you were a good warrior. It's fine. You'll probably come back sometime soon, but maybe not for a while. And I want you to enjoy this song. You know, that is that is a perfect choice. Uh, I do fucking have a song for that, and I didn't add it to my playlist. God damn it! All right, let's vamp, Rob. It's fine. It's, let's go yeah, we're gonna we're gonna vamp it because uh, gotta... fuck it, we're doing it live. We're fuck it, we're doing it live, Brian. We're doing it live. You can find uh, the Coda Podcast on Twitter at the Coda Podcast, also on Instagram. You can uh, find, uh, if you're enjoying this uh, episode, uh, please check out the 11 prior to this, uh, where Rob and I, uh, at one point, discuss our run-ins at the club. Uh, Mm. Not with each other, of course. (laughs) Uh, Oh, hey, by the way, a quick update on the Murphy guy. He's doing well. I'm still subscribed to his YouTube channel. Everything's okay, Rob. Uh, Is he still coding? 
he is absolutely coding <laughs> and then he recently bought some warehouse space uh to store everything so uh, just okay. to let you know that's still happening uh, you know he seems like a hobbyist that's trying to run a business which yeah. you know may or may not be a good thing i don't know so i totally forgot to tell you about that recently but yeah i so i stumbled on the fact that uh, i still subscribe to him i watched a couple of these vlog style videos not great uh and that is the coda podcast update rob what you got for us so the the one song that i do like to play as an epitaph for uh a fallen character is cardinals by the wonder years and uh, oh yeah it's like it's one of those songs that's so like it makes you feel powerless and if you watch the music video it, you totally feel powerless watching it it's essentially a guy trying uh, with uh somebody who's in need of medical assistance running after an ambulance and not being able to catch it which holy fuck it's like the most devastating music video i have seen in quite some time <laughs> so it, it works for you yeah it, it works for you but like you get the raw emotion you get the passion you get uh, everything in that fucking song and it fucking works perfect um so uh on my end you have you're party encountering the final bad guy, right? And the bad guy is probably giving some kind of speech. But before that, you hear a riff in your head and uh, a quick drum fill, and you know you're in trouble. I chose Mastodon's Blood and Thunder uh, for the intro to the, the main antagonist of, of the campaign. Uh, that is pretty solid. I, I, I like that. Uh, I don't know. Are you? Have you listened to a lot of Mastodon in your life? I have listened to... I think Crack the Sky is where I've like dipped off. I so I fortunately slash unfortunately saw them four times on that tour, and that's the tour where they were playing "Crack the Sky, Start to Finish." Uh, so I hope to never listen to that uh, ever again. And now I will never listen to <laughs> it again. I mean, like their first three albums are solid. They're, oh, dude, dude, yeah, they're some of the best. Like Blood Mountain uh, is the pinnacle. You can't really beat that. I agree. Uh, yeah, Leviathan too. Like, go check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, crack this guy. I mean, it's worth you know if you've never listened to to uh, a Mastodon uh, concept album from end to end. I guess is like a, a you know a good thing to do. Uh, some of the tracks on there are great, but yeah, it does get a little bit long in the tooth sometimes. It does. It, it really does. But uh, still, solid set of guys, solid set of songs. Most of the time, I haven't listened to any of their newer output, and I'm okay. the one from the the last full length is actually not that bad. I feel like you'd actually enjoy a couple of songs on there. There's one that kind of sounds like CKY that's a little confusing to me, mm. uh, but it is uh, quite good, comparatively speaking. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. If I'm getting ready to enter this final encounter, I think one of the, uh, the best songs that you can use for that is uh, Blockbuster Night Part 1 by Run the Jewels. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that gets you pumped up, man. That gets you into the right headspace to fucking hack slash punch fucking bludgeon all that shit that that'll get you started out right i do love how you have death grips and then run the jewels on here like this is a pretty ace list yeah uh, absolutely i uh i thought long and hard about that and i'm like this playlist needs this and i mean both are solid entries here and fucking a man i can't wait for more run the jewels even with the uh the the shadow of this uh tour uh, now that's uh, been put on hold. Yeah, it's... Uh, fuck, man. Can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, the songs they put out so far have been so, so good. I'm very excited to see what the fourth album holds for them. Uh, I really mm-hmm. uh, do hope that we get to hear it sooner rather than later, but I'm not sure how that one's going to go either. Yeah, exactly. 
100%. What do you got next, Brian? Oh, God. Okay. So I'm nothing if not an unsophisticated man sometimes, Rob, as uh, you are well aware by my tastes, um, specifically in my love of all things like new slash radio metal. Um, so uh, I chose a song for when the party's fighting the main bad guy. Um, that is based on uh, me feeling like it's humorous to watch people fight uh, to the song, and I chose Drowning Pool's Bodies. That's uh, a fantastic choice. You... <laughs> That's so great. I figured, like, why not? Like, I, I debated, like, how many, like, on-the-nose kind of songs like that exist, and let me tell you, there are dozens, which is why, like, uh, when I was chatting with you in the DMs, I was like, I, there's a couple of choices here, and this one was, like, by far the most difficult one to wheedle down. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, all these songs are my babies, but, like, which is the most beautiful baby to put up right now? And I think you chose wisely as did Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones in the last crusade. <laughs> did not think I'd hear that reference today, but you know what? I'm here for it. So thank you. <laughs> you can't go wrong, man. You can't no, go wrong. No. Uh, so do you have a last song on your list? I got two. And okay. um, at this point, depending upon how your encounter's going, you can either feel inspired or you could need inspiration. Now, if you need inspiration, I think a great go-to that I want to start, uh, if I start DMing again, including in the playlist is uh, Dinosaur Pileup's Backfoot. I mean... Oh, it, hell yeah. Yeah, that's that's just inspiring right there. That riff fucking, it rocks. And, you know, he's he's talking about how he always feels like he's on his back foot and, like, shit needs to work out and, like... That's a song that will inspire you to do good things. And I feel like we've talked about, um, you know, Dinosaur Pilot before, but once again, like the best, uh, like, uh, rock act of 2002 transported to the, you know, mm-hmm. the late aughts. Uh, yeah. Production wise, so, so good. It's such a great song. Great pick. Uh, I'm a little envious. If I do start DMing, I can't wait to fucking start using that. The, the other song that I have, if you're really fucking, like, getting shit done and you want to feel good about it, there's one song that has you every single time. One song that is inspiring, uplifting, electrifying, and that's the Rocks theme song. You cannot (laughs) fucking go wrong with the Rocks theme song, especially now. It's fucking... It's designed to give you goosebumps. And, like, when you are in that final encounter and shit's just going right... Man, you need to feel those goosebumps and the, uh, the rocks theme song, which is simply called electrifying, is uh, is the place to go. It, it's got I was, your back. I was actually thinking about throwing glass shatters on here somewhere, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And of course, I'm talking about the disturbed version of glass shatters. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, can we, when things get a little bit lighter in life, Rob, can we get a montage of you pointing at stuff while that song plays? I think so. It might be my first TikTok perfect because i would definitely 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 endorse that and uh, i feel like it would set the mood uh but that is such a good uplifting kind of song to play when you know you're you can tell that the uh, you know the big daddy's down and that Mm -hmm. uh very soon enough you might enjoy the spoils uh, of your campaign yeah absolutely you um you could smell it quite literally (laughs) wow we've entered like dad pun territory here i have entered angelo territory and you know what I don't like the space, so I'll give it back now. 
uh, on my end. Uh, so I've, I've picked a song for when you do defeat the main bad guy, and I picked Drake's trophies for when the party does defeat mm-hmm. the big daddy. And you know they're collecting their experience points as well as their gold and other kind of like items, magical and not kind of lying around uh, in any given layer, right? Because it's an uplifting Drake song. Uh, you know, I wasn't gonna pick something where it's like sad bastard crying in the shower, Drake, like a girls love Beyonce or something. You need you need that that high tempo. You need that celebration song. You do need that celebration song, uh, and you know Drake. He's got you sometimes. In this case, he does. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a solid choice. You know, it, it definitely replaces Final Fantasy Victory Fanfare, which uh, you know has been done to death. Yes, I, I, I and that's that's the, I actually considered doing that at one point. But I was like, I'm not including any video game music because that, apart from movie scores, is a great source of like background music. But I, I once again like using these songs as cues, as you and I were both discussing. Uh, this accentuates it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and 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 likewise, if you end up losing that encounter and your whole party dies, uh, I think a perfect song to play at that point would be uh, "Welcome to uh, the Machine" by Pink Floyd. You know, it's just a uh, Man, that song is terrifying. That or like, uh, you know, if you want to go wistful, same album, like Wish You Were Here. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I actually thought about putting a Shiny Crazy Diamond uh, for, for something, but I wasn't sure exactly where to fit it. I thought maybe it was going to go maybe in the, uh, you know, the, the pub section, um, you know, the kind of wandering around the city before embarking on a, you know, a quest kind of thing. But I felt like it, it didn't necessarily feel right. It depends, you know, it depends on what this place is, where you're questing, and how unnerved and uneasy you feel about it. Like, Shine On You Crazy Diamond would have done for the uh, first encounter that uh, we had, because, you know, one moment you're in a a tavern, the next moment you're in Barovia, and you don't want to be there, so, fuck. That's true, too, that's a really good point, actually. Mm -hmm. If you're unwillingly pulling your party somewhere else... That they want to initially go, but you know they roll the dice of, of fate, and this is where they're at. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Fucking a, fucking a. So this has been a fun overview of of the musical moods that we put people in when we're uh, both playing as well as DMing. Uh, so I guess like the best thing to do is throw this to the audience. Kind of curious, is anyone out there when they are uh, you know playing D anD D or a D anD D like game? Uh, what kinds of soundtracks are you playing? What kinds of songs are you playing? If you're DMing, do you have musical cues? Do you have sound effects? Like what are you using? I would love to hear uh, from people either through email, you know, the code podcast uh, at gmail.com, uh, the code podcast, all one word on Twitter. Uh, you know, let us know what you use uh, in terms of multimedia, not necessarily just songs, right? If there are, for some reason, movie clips that you play, because mm-hmm. I've seen that a couple of times, then like, let us know, because I'm super curious to see what other people use. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And if you troll your uh, your players, we want to know that too, the codecast at gmail.com. I would love to have a list of trolls that happen that we could announce next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please send them in, folks. Uh, yeah, we, the trollier the better. Yeah, the trolliest that you have, just uh, fucking send them to us. So, Rob, this has been episode 12 of the Coda Podcast. Until next time, make sure to keep the cans on. Mm-hmm.